You're listening to Family, a sermon series about what a biblical household looks like. For more information about Elevate Church, please visit us online at www.elevatechurch.ms. Look at the person sitting next to you and tell them that they look fantastic today. Tell them they don't look as good as you do, but they look all right, okay? Hey, it is good to see you. If you don't know me, my name is Robert Andrews, one of the pastors here at Elevate Church, and we're starting a brand new series today called Family, Family. And uh, the truth of the matter is, I don't know really what image kind of comes into your mind when you hear that word family. Uh, A lot of people, when they think of family, maybe they grew up with a very loving family. There are families that are like that. Some people, you grew up with a a family that kind of seemed to be uh, full full of hate. Or what about this? How many of y'all, you know, grew up, kind of had a dysfunctional family, right? Had a dysfunctional family? Yeah. My family put fun and dysfunctional. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Really, it was just my sister who's not here, so I can pick on her today. So uh, anyway, uh, but I'm just kidding. But anyway, we all have uh, all sorts, all sorts of, of different families. And uh, let me get a little participation from you guys. I want to make sure y'all are awake, keep you awake. How many of y'all, you know, you got family members who are nice family members? You've got nice family members? Some of y'all are like, that's me. I'm the nice family member. I know you're thinking about yourself. That means you're not nice, okay? Uh, what about this? Uh, how many of y'all got some funny family members? You might have a, a funny family member out there. Okay, okay, okay. Good job. Uh, what about what about this? How many of y'all got some mean family members? Yeah, don't point if they're sitting next to you. Don't point, okay? Uh, uh, what about what about this? How many of y'all have some annoying family members, right? Yeah, uh, if your hand is not up, you're the annoying person that your family has. Uh, I mean, they really are. They are out there. So we've got all kinds of, uh, all, all different types of families. We've got all different types of family members. We've got immediate family members. We've got extended family members. Sometimes there are People who can become part of your family that aren't even blood related. You know what I mean? They're just so close. You have those types of relationships and they become family. And how many of you would love for your homes and you would love for your families to be blessed? You really would. You would love for your homes and families to be blessed. If you're not raising your hand, that means you're not either, either you're not listening or you're a jerk, okay? Because uh, we should all want our families to be blessed. That's something that we should all want. I know I want my family uh, really to be blessed because if you don't want your family to be blessed, what you're really saying is that you want your home to be cursed. And I hope that's not the case for you. But when we look at families all around our nation, really even here in town, uh, one, of the, one of the first words that comes into people's minds usually is not the word blessed. It's not. Uh, we don't, really, we, we don't really, really, that's not the first word that comes into our mind when a lot of people think about their families. When we look at families today, we really look around and instead of saying, man, they're really blessed, we say, wow, they're, they're really struggling. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? They're really, they're really, really struggling. We look at families and we, we say, man, those, those people's their marriage. It's falling apart, right? We say, man, those kids, they're, they're heading down a dark path. We say things like, wow, that family over there, that family is in trouble. And even about our own families, sometimes we look at our own families and we say things like, why is it so hard? Why is it so hard? Why are we, why are we struggling so much financially? Why does it seem like we're just living paycheck to paycheck? Why, why aren't we happy? 
And the truth of the matter is family today looks a lot different than family looked 100 years ago. There is the challenge of more blended families, which really can be a blessing. But when you're raising your kids and her kids and our kids and both exes are still involved, it can be very complicated. Then there are so many homes out there that have single parent Homes. In fact, statistics say that over 22 million children under the age of 18 are being raised in single-parent homes. That translates out basically to 26% of all kids are growing up in a single-parent home where the majority of those homes are single-mother homes. And it can be extremely difficult when you're trying to support a family on one income. It can be extremely difficult when you're trying to really be the only individual who carries all the load and and you have to do all the disciplining and so at times it can be overwhelming. Again, the first word that really comes to a lot of people's mind when they hear that word family is not blessed, it's stressed. It's it's overwhelmed. It's it's worried. And so during this series, I'm just going to be honest with you, I'm going to try to be as transparent as possible. I'm going to share a whole lot of stories with you about my own family. Uh, Some people like that. Some people hate that. uh, But I'm just going to do it. And let me kind of preface it by saying, I do not have a a perfect family. It's amazing to me how sometimes when we're out and some of the other, maybe some church people will see us and and something will go wrong uh, for my family. They're kind of glad, you know what I mean? And It's not like they're like, yes, we hate him. But I mean, they look at it and they're like, wow, you know, we're so thankful that your family is not perfect. And when I hear that, I want to say, well, duh, look at the idiot leading this thing. You know what I mean? I'm far from perfect, right? I'm far from perfect. When my kids are misbehaving at home, I don't just break out into a praise song and a worship song and my entire family joins in. That just, that just doesn't happen. People see my kids sometimes out in public and they're like, oh, your kids, they're so perfect. They're so good. I'm like, praise the Lord, but you're delusional, right? My, my kids are like cats. You know what I'm saying? They might seem nice and, and purr and all that, but when they get home and the claws come out, man, my girls will hiss. <laughs> I mean, it can be, it really can be very challenging. Even Lawson, Lawson Cruz, he's almost one years old. I can't one year old. I can't believe that next week or this week one year old, but man, he has got a temper. You know what I mean? He's just like his mom. He will throw stuff. He will throw stuff. And I'm like, man, you're a terrible influence on him, Amanda. I'm just, just how it is. Again, again, my family is not perfect, but we are being perfected by the power of God. Amen. And that can be the same for your family as well. Amen. That can be the same. Y'all can clap for that if you want to. And so what I really want us to do in this series is I want us to look at the most famous sermon that has ever been preached. I want us to look at the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus's Sermon on the Mount. Uh, He gives us some very specific things to do, and what we're going to do is we're going to look at these things, and we're going to apply them to our families, again, because we all want our families to be blessed, and Jesus tells us how to make that a reality. So if you've got your Bible, I want to invite you to turn to Matthew chapter 5, Matthew chapter 5, the Sermon on the Mount. He gives us a list of things to do, and he says, hey, if you do these things, you're going to be blessed. You are blessed. And so in Matthew chapter 5, we're going to read verse 6 today, one verse, and here's what Jesus says. He says, blessed. Everybody say blessed. Blessed. Say it again, blessed. Blessed. All right, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be 
filled. Jesus says, if you hunger and you thirst for righteousness, you will be filled. He paints this picture by using these two words, hunger and, and thirst. I mean, how many, y'all, how many of y'all know what it means to be hungry, right? You know what that means? Like right now, my stomach is growling. I am, I am hungry. What about this? How many of y'all, you know what it's like to be thirsty? Anybody, you know what it's like to be thirsty? A couple of people, some of y'all lying. Raise your hand, participate. You'll enjoy it, okay? But here's the deal. I remember not too long ago, Amanda and I, uh, we went to Dairy Queen and Clinton, Mississippi, and so we pulled up there, and I got to that speaker box, and they were like, can I take your order? And I said, yeah, I got to get me one of them dip cones today, you know, and we ordered our stuff, and, and so we get up there to the window, order a dip cone, get to the window, and the lady says, I'm sorry, we don't have any dip cones. Well, that was like somebody stabbed me in the heart, man. I was just devastated, and so it was all over my face, and I just went, I looked at the woman like that, and she goes, Oh, oh, sweetie, we're going to get you a dip cone. We're going to get you one. And my wife's over there just rolling her eyes. You know what I'm saying? And I'm like, yeah, I want a dip cone. And, and so while she's turning around to get me a dip cone, I say, I say, well, while you're getting me a dip cone, can I, can I get something to drink too? I said, my throat, my throat is starched. It's starched. And Amanda is like, my husband is an idiot. She really does. And so the woman looks over, you know, because she's sitting beside me. She looks over at Amanda, and Amanda just shakes her head. And Amanda looks at me, and she says, your throat is what, Robert? I said, I said it's, it's starched. It's starched. She says, it's, it's not starched. It's parched. I said, look. You say tomato, I say tomato, okay? I'm sorry, I went to Pearl. I mean, I didn't graduate in the upper percentile. I was in the upper percentile or the lower percentile. I take the SETs. If you were here last week, that makes sense to you. But if you missed it, you don't understand. But I was like, man, you know what I mean? That just It's crazy. But again, we all know what it's like to be hungry. We all know what it's like to be thirsty. And those, those two words, what they are doing is they are talking about a desire that is within us. They are talking about this deep craving that each and every one of us should have. And Jesus doesn't just say, look, if you hunger and you thirst, you will be filled. He doesn't say, just be hungry, just be thirsty, you're going to be blessed. He says, no, if you hunger and thirst for righteousness, If you hunger and thirst for righteousness, you're going to be blessed. If you hunger and thirst for righteousness, you will be filled. And so when I was reading that and I began to think about that word filled, I don't know why, but for some reason I started to think about my refrigerator. See, see that word filled actually can mean a couple of different things. It can in the English language. Like when you think about that word filled, it could refer to filling up a glass of water or, you know what I mean, a cup with water or Coke or, or whatever it is that you drank. And I saw some of y'all on Facebook this morning. Y'all had fun last night. Anyway, you know who you are. Uh, but you could fill that cup up. The waiter, they filled my cup up, right? Or it could also refer to like a position at a workplace being filled, being filled. You know what I mean? Hey, we were applying for this position, but now it has been filled. But again, it has several different meanings. But for me, when I was thinking about that word, I kept, I kept thinking about the refrigerator. You know, I don't know if you've got the same kind of habit that I do, but I will walk to my refrigerator multiple times a day and I will open that refrigerator. And we could have just gone to the grocery store. But I will, it'll be full. But I'll open the refrigerator and I'm looking for something. And, and it's, again, it's full, but I don't see what I'm looking for. And so I close the refrigerator. Then 10, 20, 30 minutes later, I'll walk back to the refrigerator. And I'll, does anybody else you do that? You know what I mean? Again, we could have just gone to the grocery store. And I'm like thinking, man, it's magically going to appear. Whatever it was that I wanted, it's going to be in there. And I'll open that refrigerator and it's not there. Sometimes I don't even know what I am looking 
for, but I just keep going back, keep going back, hoping that it's going to show up. Well, a lot of our homes, a lot of our homes are like that. A lot of our homes are filled with all sorts of things. They're filled with all sorts of things. They're filled with anything and everything except for what matters the most. And sometimes we look around our homes and they're full, yet we still feel empty. They still feel empty. We still sometimes feel like there is something missing. So that word filled in the Greek, it doesn't just mean filled with stuff. That's not what Jesus is saying. Hey, if you hunger and thirst for righteousness, you're going to be filled with all sorts of things. That's not what, it, what Jesus is saying. Jesus says, if you hunger and thirst for righteousness, you're going to be filled. That word filled actually means satisfied. You're going to be satisfied in your home, in my home, in my family. We all want to be blessed. We want to be satisfied. And that's, that's really, that's really uh, how it is with every aspect of our life. We want to be satisfied. We want to be satisfied. See, there are a lot of people who are hungering and thirsting for all sorts of things except for the thing that they really need. See, in some people's home, all they're doing is they are hungering and thirsting for material possessions. They want the big TV. They want the nicest car. We hunger and we thirst for a bigger home. We hunger and thirst for popularity. We hunger and we thirst for our child to be the champion, scuba diving, deep sea track runner. We want them to be on the, on the, on the travel team. That's really what we want. We hunger and, th- and thirst for things like that. We crave that. If we were to be really honest, some of us, these past seven days, If we were to really be honest, we were hungering and thirsting this past week for something or many things other than God. We were hungering and thirsting for all these things that really are never going to satisfy us. And remember, that's what we want in life. We want to have satisfaction. We want to feel satisfaction. Companies that try to sell us products, they, that's, what they try to, that's what they try to nail when they're trying to advertise to us. Like Snickers says, satisfy your hunger, right? Have you ever noticed that there's all these products that are available now that you can buy and they'll say things like satisfaction guaranteed? Anybody seen some of that? Why is it that we have more satisfaction guaranteed products, but it seems like today there are more and more people who are dissatisfied? Why is it that whenever we get what we think we want, it's not really enough? Solomon, who is the wisest man who has ever lived. Solomon, who was the richest man who had ever lived. You know what he said in Ecclesiastes chapter 2, verse 1? He says this, I said to myself, come now, I will test you with pleasure to find out what is good. But that also proved to be meaningless. Solomon goes on to say in verse 4 of that same chapter, he says this, I undertook great projects. I built houses for myself. You see that word, it's plural. Some of us are like, man, I just want one house. You know what I'm talking about? You just want one house. This finished, but man, Solomon had a house on the hill. He had a farmhouse. He had a lake house. He had a beach house. He had all these houses. I built houses for myself and planted vineyards. I planted vineyards. He says, I made gardens and parks. Solomon actually had his own zoo, y'all. He had wild animals, monkeys and peacocks, all those things running around. He says, I had all this stuff and I planted all kinds of fruit trees. I made reservoirs to water groves of flourishing trees. 
I bought male and female slaves and had other slaves who were born in my house. I also owned more herds and flocks than anyone in Jerusalem before me. I amassed silver and gold for myself and the treasure of kings and provinces. I acquired male and female singers. Man, this is amazing to me. Like Solomon had rappers and he had like rock stars, and he had country music people, if you like country music, who just followed him around and like added soundtracks to his life. You know what I'm saying? Somebody get in his way. He was like, move, get out the way. Y'all know what I'm talking about? They did that for him, man. He had it all, man. Check it out. He says, he said, the delights of hearts of men, verse nine, I became greater by far than anyone in Jerusalem before me. In all this, my wisdom stayed with me. I denied myself nothing my eyes desired. I refused my heart no pleasure. My heart took delight in all my labor, and this was the reward for all my toil. Yet when I surveyed all that my hands had done and what I had toiled to achieve, everything was meaningless. A chasing after the wind. Nothing was gained under the sun. Full of stuff, yet empty on the end side. Solomon said, man, I had it all. I had it all, but none of that stuff satisfied me. It was meaningless. It was junk. And I promise you, all the stuff that we chase, all the stuff that we chase in this world is is usually junk. Jesus even says that. He says, look, if you hunger for all those those other things, you're never going to be satisfied. But if you hunger and thirst for righteousness, that's when you're going to be filled. And so if we want our families, if we want our homes to be blessed, it's going to have to start by you and I changing our appetites. It's going to have to start by us changing the things that we feed on and drink on. David, the person who is known as a man after God's own heart, I want you to see how he describes it in Psalm 63 verse 1. He says, you God are my God. Earnestly I seek you. I thirst for you. My whole being longs for you in a dry and parched land where there is no water. Do you see the language that David uses right there? David's not saying that God is kind of important to him. David is saying that God is very, very, very important to him. David is saying every part of me longs for you, God. I hunger for you, God. I thirst for you, God. J- just for fun, though, I kind of rewrote this verse. I kind of reinterpreted this, this verse, and we wrote it for family. You know what I mean? And so check this out. It says, you, God, are my God. It should say our God. You, God, are our God. Earnestly, I went to Pearl, remember, so I'd kind of mess up sometimes. You, God, are our God. Earnestly, we seek you. We thirst for you. Our whole family longs for you. Does that describe your family? What would your home look like? What would my home look like if that is really how we felt? Wouldn't that be nice? I mean, come on, think of the other stuff that we put in there. Honestly, we say, we say, you 1993 Ford Mustang Cobra are my God. Earnestly, I seek you. I thirst for you. I long for you. You say, man, that sounds dumb, but don't we live our life that way? Oh, new car. My, my butt longs for leather and butt warmers. We say that kind of, oh, job that pays $16 an hour. I long for you. Man, you know, that would be dumb to really say, but that's how the majority of us live our life. It's no wonder our homes are full of stuff and still empty. 
Again, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. So how do we do that? How do we, how do we hunger and thirst for righteousness? How do we create a home where that really takes place? Well, I want to just give you three very practical ways, three very practical ways that I try to have my family hunger and thirst for righteousness, three very practical ways that you can do in your home. And, and, and if you're like, man, I don't have a family, I'm single. Well, you need to learn these things so that when you do get a family, your family can be blessed as well. So if you're keeping notes, you want to write them down. The first thing that I want you to see, if you really want to create a hunger and thirst for God in your family, you need to involve God in your daily conversations. You need to involve God in your daily conversations. When we're talking about anything, we're going to try to involve God in the discussion. Now, as you start to do this, it might seem a little odd. It might seem a little odd, uh, like, but, but it's really simple. If you're driving down the road, if you're driving down the road, how many of y'all have ever been doing this? Driving down the road and you see a real pretty sunset and you're like, wow, that, that's just beautiful. Anybody ever say something like that? Don't say that, especially if you've got people in the car. You know what you need to say? Man, look at what God did. Look at what God painted for you and I to enjoy right now. Change the way that you say certain things. When somebody in your life, when something good happens to them, don't say, wow, you're so lucky. You know what you say? Man, God has been good to you. You say that about your own life. You involve God in the conversation. If something is going wrong in your marriage and you're really, you're really looking for something, you're trying to figure out what you need to do, don't go to the other person and say, well, what do you think we should do? That's way out the pros and cons. Don't, don't do that. You say, what do you think God would want us to do? What do you think God would want us to do? When you do that, you are showing that Christ is the center of your marriage. When you involve God in the discussion of all your conversations at home, what you're doing is you're saying that Christ is at the center of your family. And I don't know about you guys, but here's the truth of the matter. I don't want a Christian family. I don't. I know some of y'all hear that and you're like, whoa, pastor said he didn't want a Christian family. I don't, I don't want a Christian family. I really, I, I, really, I really don't. I want a Christ-centered family. I want a family that has Christ at its core. I want a family that is centered around the person and work of Christ. See, in my mind, there's a huge difference between a Christian family and a Christ-centered family. Because listen to me, 85% of Americans claim to be Christians. 85% of Americans claim to be Christians. And, and, and you can't tell me that 85% of American homes are Christ-centered. You can't. You cannot tell me that. Look at the amount of crime and turmoil that's all over our nation. Look at the amount of turmoil that's in our cities, even in our churches and in our homes. We need Christ as our center. That's what we need because Christ is who changes things. And so... To create an environment where Christ is the center to creating an environment where that can take place is you involve God in the daily conversations. You do. I tell my children all the time, man, God gave y'all to me. God gave y'all to us. I tell them God blessed you. God, 
God is going to use you to change this world. And I'm not just standing up here lying to you guys. I honestly say that. Last night it was so funny. Uh, I was babysitting or watching the kids, not babysitting because, you know, I'm a fam- I am a father. But, so, but I, was, I was with the kids, you know. And so Sadie Kate, uh, Brianna Grace had spent the night with a buddy. So Sadie Kate's at the house, and she says, she, she says let's, let's play. I said, okay. She said, I'm going to interview you for a job. I said, okay, all right. And so she sat at my desk, and I sat at the chair in front of the desk. And she says, I'm going, I'm going to interview you for a preacher position, for a preacher position, a preacher job. That's what she said. And so she says, why do you want to be a preacher? And so I gave her some answers, and she was like, that's not good. <laughs> she said, if you get three X's, it's not good. And so I was like, uh, I said, oh, man, I really need this job. And so finally I gave her all these answers, and she wrote them down, if you can decipher what she's saying here. But, like, you know, at the end of it, she stood up, and she said, you got the job. So that's why I'm here today, man. She gave me the job. You know what I'm saying? But again, involve God in your daily conversations. Do that. If you really want to create a hunger and thirst for God in your family, not only should you involve God in your daily conversations, but the next thing is this. You need to make church a non-negotiable. You need to make God a non-negotiable. You say, you know what? We're going to make the priority of the worship of our God as being, again, non-negotiable. We're going to take one hour, at least one hour every week to tell the sustainer and creator of the universe, the one who sent his son to die for us, that you are our priority, that we love you above all. We choose you first in the week. Man, that's really what you need to do. And some people are like, I don't know if I should clap for that. Really, that's how you should be. You should put God first. Tell your family we're going to church, period. I heard about a mother who went in to wake her son up for church one Sunday morning. She said, honey, you need to get up. It's time to go to church. And the son said, I'm not going. The mother said, well, why not, son? He said, I'll give you two reasons. He said, one, they don't like me there. And two, I don't like them. And the mother was like, well, son, I'm going to give you two good reasons why you should go. One, you're 49 years old, and two, you're the pastor, okay? (laughs) But don't people really look for all sorts of reasons not to go to church? Come with all sorts of excuses. Look, man, I love coming to church. I love church. When I'm getting Sadie Kate, my seven-year-old, when I'm getting her ready on a Sunday morning, I wake her up, Sadie Kate, it's Sunday fun day. We get to go to church. That's what I tell her, man. It's fun day. It's God's day. All day, she's excited. Sadie Kate, she was, she was sick earlier this year. She was throwing up, started throwing up on a Saturday night. And, man, she's crying. And so me and Amanda were thinking, she's crying. She's upset because she's sick. You know what I'm saying? But she's actually crying and upset because she was going to miss church that Sunday. She made them FaceTime her so that she could still be at the service. It was amazing. She wants to be here. My kids, they, they really they want to be here. But in all seriousness... If you don't make attending church a priority for your family, what are you really communicating to them about the importance of God and the things of God? If they see mom and dad say, well, we can miss church this week, in their mind, they're going to say, well, how many times can we miss and still be okay? Well, if we we miss this week, maybe we can miss the next week. And maybe two turns to four and four turns to eight. And we just keep missing and missing and missing. 
And I know maybe you're here and you're saying, well, is church really that important? The answer is yes. Yes. Look at what happens in Luke chapter 4, verse 16. It's talking about Jesus. And the Bible says, he went to Nazareth, Nazareth, Jesus, where he had been brought up. And on the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue, as was his custom. And he stood up to read. On the Sabbath, he went into the synagogue. As was his custom, as was his habit. Folks, if Jesus Christ, the Son of God, needed to go to church, don't you think you and I need to go even more? Right? I mean, I mean, we really need church. And so if you want to create a, a home where there is a hunger and a thirst for righteousness, you need to involve God in your daily conversations, and you need to make church a non-negotiable in men you need to step up and make sure this happens. You do. You need to step up and make sure that this happens. You need to say, no, we're going. No, this is what we're doing. This is what we do. God has called you to lead your family, and you need to lead it the way that he's called you to do it. So if you want to create a hunger and a thirst for righteousness in your... Thanks, Mom. Somebody was clapping. I don't know. That was my mom. All right, if you want to create a hunger and a thirst for righteousness in your family, you need to... Uh, you need to do all these things. You need to involve God in your daily conversations. You need to make church a non-negotiable. And the third way, if you're keeping notes, you want to write it down, is this. You need to show how serving and seeking God is fun. You need to show how serving and seeking God is fun. See, i got kids. i got three kids. And it amazes me how parents talk their kids into doing certain things, right? Yeah, come on, parents. You ever talk your kid into doing something? So like, like sports, you know what I'm saying? Like if you go to a four-year-old or a five-year-old and you're like, hey, buddy, you want to play soccer? Usually just right off the top of the bat, a kid's going to be like, no. And so what do you do? You say, come on, it'll be fun, right? You get, it'll be fun. Let's go out in the yard. And you, you start kicking the ball around and they kick it and you're like, good job. This is so much fun. And they kind of get excited about it. Oh, it is fun. It is fun. And even baseball, right? You'll throw that ball with the kid. They'll throw the ball back. You know, they'll hit the ball. And you're like, this is so much fun. And they get excited about it. You're excited about it. And they're like, man, I want to do it. And so they'll play those sports for years and years and years and years. Some people will play those sports for the rest of their life, right? They'll play those sports for the rest of their life. It's fun. Well, why don't we do the same thing? Why don't we do the same thing with our kids when it comes to the things of God and serving God? Why don't we get our kids in, involved with serving God and seeking God and let them know that this is fun? This is fun. Folks, if you don't know this about me, I, I have fun serving God. I really do. I have fun seeking God. Serving God has led me to other countries, man. Serving God has led me to meet the most amazing people that I know. Serving God has led me to prison. I've been, not because I did anything wrong, but I used to go and I used to play softball with the inmates. You know what I mean? I've been to prisons uh, really all over the southeast. And like, I mean, it, it's amazing. And so, you know, some of the people who have been in those prisons have been people who have committed murder. You don't have to ask a person in prison, you know, if they're there for a violent crime. You can just look at their pants and the way that they're striped. That's how you know. You know what I mean? If it's black and white, you're all right. Green and white, all right. But if they're red and white, that's a violent crime. 
That's a violent crime. You don't, have to, you don't have to ask them what they've done. But I've been in there playing softball with people who have actually killed people. And so in some of those prisons, they make you chain the softball bat to the plate so that somebody doesn't take that bat and kill you with it. You know what I'm saying? I'm thankful for that. Amen. Uh, but, but, I mean, again, it's, it's been amazing. I have had so much fun. I met my, God, my, I met my wife seeking God. I met my wife seeking God. We got married, and we went on our honeymoon, and we had a great time. And after our honeymoon, I mean, the next day, you know what we did? We went to serve at a church camp. We had fun doing it. I had to tell some kids I was going to beat them up if they didn't stop, you know, messing with my wife, you know what I'm saying? But seriously, I've smiled more since I've started to follow in God. I have laughed more since I started serving God. Serving God has been a blessing, and it is a blessing to me we got to show our families how great God really is. We do. We've got to let our kids see this is fun. This is rewarding. And can I share just a, 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 a proud parent moment with you? Again, Brianna Grace, she's, a, she's my 12-year-old. Uh, she doesn't like me talking about her. Tough. Uh, God gave her to me. Uh, but this is her right there. Uh, you know what she's doing? She is serving in the in church, she she's running. She was in the creative. She's on the creative team, so she was serving in uh, in a, an adult service, running the computer, making sure that y'all can see all this stuff and all that. She does that in children's church. She serves in super kids. I've tried my best to communicate to Brianna that it is fun serving God, and I think she's got it, man. It just makes me proud. Just makes me proud. <laughs> makes me proud. It really does. I want to show her and all of my children that it is fun not just serving God but seeking God. You know, you know what's funny? Have you ever been out to eat with a whole bunch of people and maybe they got a kid or something and they'll look to the kid and they'll say, Hey, Billy, would you like to say the blessing? What does a kid do usually? They look scared to death, like you're asking them to sit in zombie Santa's lap or something like that. You know what I mean? Like you're, you're going to kill them. You know what I'm saying? They, oh, oh, I ain't doing that. Oh, oh, I ain't doing that. Man, your kids and my kids, my family, your family, they should see us enjoying the time that we get to spend seeking God. And it should inspire them to want to do the same thing. It really should. What did Jesus say in Matthew chapter 5, verse 6? He said, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. That's a promise. It's not a you might be. It's not you could be. It's you will be. That is a promise. You will be filled if you have a hunger and thirst for him. See, I'm wrapping up, but there's an old saying that I'm sure you've heard before. There's an old saying that says, you are what you eat. You are what you eat. Well, could it be that the reason so many families experience divorce is because they're hungering and thirsting for the wrong things? Could it be that the reason so many families are struggling is because they're hungering and thirsting and feeding off of the junk food that this world has to offer? Could it be that some of our 
own homes. Some of our own homes are so messed up because we just aren't Christ-centered. See, that can change today. In Joshua chapter 24, verse 15, we hear the words of Joshua. Joshua comes to rise. He begins to lead the Israelites after Moses has passed away, and he leads the children of Israel into the promised land. And what he says in Joshua chapter 24, verse 15 is this. He says, but if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. But as for me and my family, as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. See, Joshua is saying you have a choice to make. I am saying you have a choice to make. And if you want your home and if you want your family to really be blessed, the way that that is going to happen, the way, the way that you will be blessed with everything that God has for you is if you hunger and thirst for righteousness. If you hunger and thirst for God, if you do that, Jesus says you will be filled. You'll be amazed if you hunger and thirst for him. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, I don't know where you're at in your spiritual life. But I know sometimes each and every one of us, again, we we hunger and thirst for the wrong thing, for things that are never going to satisfy and for things that actually bring more problems. And if that's you today, if you know you've been hungering and thirsting for the wrong thing, you say, Pastor, just pray for me. Pray for me. I'm going to ask that you lift your hand right where you are. Pray for my home. Pray for my family. Amen. 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 A lot of families, a lot of people. Father, I pray that you would bless these families. Father, that you would bless these who acknowledge today that they need to make some changes in their family. Father, I pray that you would help them to truly have a hunger and to have a thirst for you and for your righteousness. Help them to see that once they do that, that they'll be filled, truly satisfied. We're, we're continuing to pray, though, but maybe you're here today and you feel this deep emptiness in your heart. You feel that deep emptiness in your heart because you haven't given your heart to Christ. You know today that you need to be saved. You know today that you need to say, you know what, God, you're the one who I am going to live my life for. You are the one I'm going to give my life for. I need you, God. And if you know that you need to be saved today, I'm going to ask it right where you are. You pray this prayer. Father, today forgive me for all of my sins. Save me from myself. Father, I confess you as Lord. I confess you as Savior. And I ask, Father, that you would mold me into a new creation. And from this point on, help me hunger and thirst for you. Our heads are bowed and our eyes are still closed, but if you prayed that prayer to be saved today, 
I'm going to ask it right where you are. You just lift your hand so that I can know that God's moving. Amen. 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 You prayed to be saved. You prayed to give your life to Christ. Father, thank you for new life. Thank you for these who are asking, Father, for you to save them. Help them, Father, from this day forward to truly hunger and thirst for you. I pray in Christ's name. Amen.